Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to the Counselor's Couch. As always, I am your host, Calvin Williams, a licensed professional counselor. Again, I'd like to remind you that nothing provided in this podcast implies a therapeutic relationship between counselor and client. It is solely for education and entertainment. Counseling can help you overcome challenges, enhance your relationships, and develop skills to lead the life that you want. If you're considering therapy, please reach out to a trained, licensed professional counselor in your community. If you're considering counseling in the Monroe, Louisiana area, then consider contacting HealthPoint Center. Change starts here. Psychology and Counseling Services. HealthPoint is a collaboration of independent professionals, such as myself at Williams Professional Counseling Services, who are dedicated to improving your quality of life and guiding you on a positive path toward change. That's HealthPoint Center, located at 1818 Avenue of America, Monroe, Louisiana. Call today to inquire about services, providers, or book an appointment at 318-998-2700. That's 318-998-2700. Please don't forget, if you have any questions or comments about this podcast, that you can email them directly to calvin at calvincwilliamslpc.com or you can reach me on Facebook at Williams Professional Counseling Services, LLC. You can even check me out on my website at www.calvincwilliamslpc.com. I do look forward to hearing from listeners, so please feel free to submit topics of interest, comments, or questions. Well, it's that time again. You know the drill. So pull up a cushion, kick off your shoes, and grab a cup of coffee. Let's get started with the session. Have you ever felt completely out of control? Do you think sometimes things just seem to be falling apart in your life? Have all the balls that you've been juggling just crashed around you, sending your life into a spiral of self-defeating thoughts and loss of control? Well, welcome to the human experience. It's a normal part of life to experience these thoughts or these feelings. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean you're broken. And it doesn't mean you're lost. It simply means you're human. I truly believe that we all experience this at some time in our life. If we're living life, that is. How many times have you had your day planned out and something happened to change the plans? And then something else seemed to happen after that. And then it just snowballed into a day from hell. It seems like everything just falls apart, but does it really? There was an interesting experiment years ago called the Blue Dot Experiment. In this study, published by a team of scientists from Harvard, Dartmouth, and New York University, several groups of college students were shown a series of a thousand dots that ranged in color from very blue to very purple. The participants had to answer just one question. Is the dot on the screen blue or not? It sounds simple, and at first it was. For the first 200 trials, the students were shown an equal number of dots from the blue and purple parts of the spectrum, and most of them recognized the differences pretty well. However, across the remaining 800 trials, the number of blue dots steadily dropped until the participants were shown almost exclusively shades of purple. What was interesting, though, is that their answers didn't reflect this. The researchers indicated that when blue dots became rare, participants began to see purple dots as blue. 
Now, indeed, during the final 200 trials, the dots that the participants had already previously identified as purple now looked blue to them. The participants continued mistaking purple dots for blue ones, even when they were directly informed that the number of blue dots was going to decrease. They were even offered a a financial reward for responding to the repeated colors the same way at the end of the study as they did at the beginning. And of course, what college student couldn't use a little extra cash? So why the sudden changes of perception? According to the researchers, it could be that the human brain doesn't make decisions based on cold, hard rules, but rather on prior stimuli or prior events. As the balance of blue to purple dots shifted, the participants expanded their definition of what blue really looked like in order to match the expectations that they had formed from the earlier trials. So, they actually saw blue dots where blue dots did not exist. It's simply what the brain does. If you're looking for it, you'll find it. So, what does this mean in regards to our previous example of the day from hell? When something goes wrong in my plans for the day, why does it continue to snowball downhill? Is it a series of unfortunate events, or is my brain actually seeing blue dots where they don't exist because of my exposure to the initial negative event? Once the first ball drops, it's natural to expect the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So we often initiate a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts. It's referred to as prevalence-induced concept change. Wow, that's a mouthful. According to researchers, what this means is, when examples of a concept become less prevalent, the concept may expand to include circumstances that we would have previously excluded, thereby masking the significance of its own decline. So when we're on the lookout for something, something bad happening, for example, and the instances of this bad circumstance lessens, we expand our concept to include what would have previously been eh, almost bad circumstances or even good circumstances. So in essence, we actually lower the bar for what qualifies as bad. Now think about it in regards to your relationships, your occupations, or even the events of your day. If you look for something negative, you're going to find it. If you look for something to complain about, you're going to find it. If you look for a reason to quit going to the gym, you're going to find it. And no, I haven't quit going to the gym, but I can always find a reason not to. Well, if your brain works in this manner, why can't we train it to focus on and find positive things? We can It's called the practice of gratitude. There's an abundance of research and studies that suggest that people who practice gratitude tend to be happier and less depressed. In the South, we call it counting your blessings. Well, researchers at Indiana University studied the impact of practicing gratitude on students that were struggling with anxiety and depression. Students were randomly assigned to one of three groups. Group one, was asked to write a letter of gratitude to somebody each week for three weeks. Group two was directed to write about their deepest thoughts and feelings about negative experiences. And group three, well, they didn't do any writing assignment at all. 
all of the participants were actively engaged in counseling at the university throughout this entire study. So what did they find? Those who wrote gratitude letters reported significantly better mental health at four weeks and again at 12 weeks after their writing exercises ended compared to those who wrote about negative experiences or only received counseling. This suggests that gratitude writing can be beneficial not just for healthy, well-adjusted individuals, but also for those who are struggling with mental health concerns. In fact, it seems practicing gratitude in addition to receiving counseling carries greater benefits than counseling by itself, even when the gratitude practice is brief. When researchers examine the data more closely, they developed a few insights regarding the practice of gratitude. The first thing, they realize that gratitude can separate us from toxic emotions. By analyzing the words used by students in each of the two writing groups, they were able to gain insight into the benefits of gratitude letter writing. They compared the percentage of positive emotion words, negative emotion words, and we words, which are first-person plural words, that the students used in their writing. Those in the gratitude writing group consistently used a higher percentage of positive emotion words and we words, and a lower amount of negative emotion words. Interesting enough, though, it was the lack of negative emotion words, not the abundance of positive words, that explained the mental health improvements between the gratitude writing group and the other writing group. This suggested that gratitude letter writing produces better mental health by shifting one's attention away from toxic emotions such as anger, resentment, envy, or guilt. When you write about how grateful you are to others and how much other people have blessed your life, it becomes harder for you to ruminate or get stuck in your negative experiences. Maybe it's because we start seeing blue dots. The next thing that the researchers found is that gratitude can help even if you don't share your practice with others. The students in the study assigned to write the gratitude letters were also informed that they weren't required to send or share their letters. In fact, only around 20% actually sent their letters. But those who didn't send their letters still reaped the overall benefits of experiencing gratitude. This suggests that the benefits of writing gratitude letters are not entirely dependent on actually communicating that gratitude to another person. So, If you're thinking of writing a letter or of gratitude to somebody that you know and you're not sure if you actually want to send it, well, write it anyway. The act of writing the letter itself can help you appreciate the people in your life and shift your focus away from negative feelings and negative thoughts. You can always decide to send it later. The next thing they realized is that gratitude's benefits take time. It's important to note that the mental health benefits of gratitude writing in this particular study were not immediate. I know that in the age of instant gratification through social media and streaming services, this may be disappointing. The benefits of gratitude gradually accrued over time. Although the different groups in this study didn't differ in mental health levels one week after the end of the writing examples, individuals in the gratitude group reported better mental health than the others four weeks after the writing activities, and this difference in the mental health became even larger 12 weeks after the writing activities. 
Now, these are important results because many other studies suggest that mental health benefits of positive activities often decrease rather than increase over time. It wasn't really clear why this positive snowball effect occurred. The researchers thought that maybe the gratitude letter writers discussed what they wrote in their letters with their counselors or with others. These conversations may have reinforced the psychological benefits derived from the gratitude writing exercise itself. The main point to consider is, if you participate in a gratitude writing activity, don't be too surprised if you don't feel better immediately. Be patient, and remember the benefits of gratitude might take time to kick in. It's kind of like me expecting to lose 50 pounds after my first week back at the gym. That's kind of silly, of course, I know. I know it only takes two, right? Now, the really interesting part of this study, especially for the neuro nerds like myself, is they learned that gratitude has lasting effects on the brain. About three months after the psychotherapy sessions began, researchers took some of the gratitude letter writers and compared them with those who didn't do any writing to see if their brains were processing information differently. They used an MRI scanner to measure brain activity while people from each group did what they called a pay-it-forward task. In that task, the individuals were regularly given a small amount of money by a nice person, and they called that nice person the benefactor. This benefactor only asked that they pass the money on to someone if they felt grateful. Participants then decided how much of the money, if any, to pass on to a worthy cause. In order to distinguish donations motivated by gratitude from donations driven by other motivations like feelings of guilt or obligation, they asked the participants to rate how grateful they felt toward the benefactor and how much they wanted to help each charitable cause, as well as how guilty they would feel if they didn't help. They found that across the participants, when people felt more grateful, their brain activity was distinct from brain activity related to guilt and the desire to help a cause. More specifically, they found that when people who are generally more grateful gave more money to a cause, they showed greater neural sensitivity in the medial prefrontal cortex. Now, that's the brain area associated with learning and decision-making. So this suggested that people who are more grateful are also more attentive to how they express gratitude. What's most interesting, though, is when they compared those who wrote the gratitude letters with those who didn't, the letter writers showed greater activation in the medial prefrontal cortex when they experienced gratitude. Now, this is significant because this effect was found three months after the letter writing began. So this indicates what? That simply expressing gratitude can have lasting effects on the brain. It also suggests that practicing gratitude can help train the brain to be more sensitive to the experience of gratitude down the line. And this could contribute to improved mental health over time. Or maybe even seeing less blue dots in our day from hell. Wouldn't it be great if we could head off the snowball effect and be grateful for our juggling skills, even when we drop a ball from time to time? Well, I know this was a short one, but it seems like we've kind of reached the end of our session today. Again, I want to tell you how grateful I am that you choose to spend this time with me. Now, as you move forward this week, I want you to reflect on a couple of things. How can you practice gratitude in your life? 
Here are a few tips from the Mayo Clinic Handbook for Happiness by Dr. Amit Sood to get you started. The first thing he says is keep a gratitude journal. Write in a gratitude journal every day. Jot down quick notes. They can be as simple as something funny somebody did or a kind gesture from a stranger at a grocery store. Any positive thoughts or actions count, no matter how small. The next thing he encourages is use gratitude cues. Any new habit needs reminders, and cues are a great way to stay on course. Keep photos of things or people that make you happy. Post positive notes or inspirational quotes on the fridge or by your computer to reinforce your feelings of gratitude. A really cool example that he encourages is to make a gratitude jar. You want to keep an empty jar, some scratch paper, and a pen someplace around your house. Ask family members or roommates to write down on a piece of paper one thing that they're grateful for every day and drop it in the jar. Encourage them to be funny. During dinner or leisure time, while you're just sitting around, take a few of the notes out of the jar and enjoy reading one another's thoughts. You know, you may even want to consider writing a gratitude letter to somebody that you know. The goal here is to move your mind from thinking about gratitude occasionally to making it second nature. Eventually, you'll lower your gratitude threshold so that you're grateful for little things, and you'll learn how to sprinkle a little gratitude throughout your day. Now this week, I want to leave you with a quote from the Stoic philosopher Epicurus. He wrote, Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. Remember that what you now have was once among the things you only hoped for. I think I'll give you one more, too, from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He wrote, Cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you, and to give thanks continuously. And because all things have contributed to your advancement, you should include all things in your gratitude. Remember, folks, you are not alone. Live intentionally, love daily, and laugh often. Don't forget, new episodes drop each Monday, so please subscribe and follow. And leave a review. Let me know what you think. I want to thank you again for stopping by encourage you to practice gratitude this week, and I want you to know I'm grateful for you. And remember, there's always room for you on the Counselor's Couch.